we're going to be doing, as you can see, <laughs> God is. Wow, isn't that a shock? I mean, wow, where'd I ever come up with that, huh? Jay, Michael, where'd you get that? Um, it is the theme, as you all know, and because you all got these cool t-shirts that say God is right on it. So there you are. And so we're um, it's strongly encouraged that we would go along the theme this year, and so that's what we're doing. And these sessions, for those of you who are new, these sessions, we try and go around 35 minutes or something like that. And normally we break up in small groups, and, but that's not all set up yet. So we're just going to take a few moments tonight at the end and just sort of bounce around a few things. If you want to get in a small group on your own, that is absolutely fine. No one's going to object to that. Um, and then next week I will give you uh, some questions. Those who, once they get the, the people who are leading those groups uh, set up, uh, we'll get that taken care of. And, or if you know who you are, I don't know if you, people know who you are or are doing that, you come see me tomorrow or something like that because I've got the questions all made and everything. But tonight we're talking about God is, and tonight what I'm actually doing is an intro to this theme. I just knocked my head over. Um, and this is just going to be an introduction tonight. I'm not going to get into anything heavy or whatever. Um, I just want to sort of whet your appetite. So this is like the hors d'oeuvre of the... Uh, Bible lessons for the summer, the hors d'oeuvre, or as my mother used to always look at that word and say, doesn't that say horse ovaries? But, you know, <laughs> yes, mom, we're having horse ovaries tonight before we eat, yes. <laughs> but anyway, I'm not kidding, that was, my mother was a hillbilly, but um, anyway, let's, let's open in prayer and we'll get started, okay? Father, we do thank you for this absolutely beautiful and lovely day you've given us. We thank you also for the health that you have given us that we can enjoy this. We thank you for the senses that you have put into our bodies that we can enjoy this day. Lord, we thank you for the opportunities of serving today. And I just ask now, dear God, that as we explore into our theme and into this session tonight, that your spirit, Lord, would teach us, would stimulate our thoughts. And though many are tired, Lord, that your spirit would just override that and help us to learn something from your Spirit's teaching. For after all, as it says in Scripture, it is your Spirit that does the teaching. So we invite you for that. As we open up this lesson tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to take you back, since we were talking about Alfred Hitchcock to begin with, I'm going to take you back in time a little bit. Um, back to when I was in high school. This is back in the 70s. Now, this is not an actual picture of that. There were no cameras back then. Um, but it gives you an idea of what was going on. You see, when I was in high school, I took this course called Creative Writing. We had, in the high school I went to, we had a really talented, extremely talented writing instructor. Writing, not writing like a horse. Uh, you Wrangler people are probably still set on that mindset. Writing. He was a very, very famous author, even back then. He's still alive today. His name is Mort Castle. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of him. Um, he still writes. He's won all sorts of literary awards. Um, he still writes. He lives on the south side of Chicago. And he was the writing instructor at our school. He taught uh, poetry. He taught creative writing. Um, he had short story writing. He had, there was all these writing classes that this guy did. And every, because, and you all know, being in school, when you get a really popular teacher who's really cool, everybody flocks to those classes. So it was always hard to get into his classes. I was fortunate enough to have him all four years in high school. And, uh, though you would never tell that if you've read anything that I've written, uh, he, he, though, 
in this one course, it was called creative writing. And we would many times, uh, well, what the assignments were, every, every week you had to write a paper. You had to write a story. Well, as the start, you know, the start of the year, it wasn't so hard to get a topic. But after a while, you, know, you start getting brain dead on what in the world can I write about? Mort had a really cool plan for this. And what he did is he would have us sit when we got really stumped, like at the beginning of the week, we're starting to pick up uh, what we're going to write on. If we were really stumped, he would have us go sit in a circle, and there'd be a group about this size, like this, um, and we would sit down in, in a circle. Mort would usually sit there with us, and he would play this game with us. And this is a really cool thing. Those of you who are looking about being a teacher and writing and stuff and comp uh, composition and stuff, you might want to remember this. This was really cool trying to figure out topics. And what we would do is we'd play this game. He would give us a noun. He would just say a noun. And then everybody, he would go to, the, to his left, he always went that direction, and we would go around the circuit, uh, the circle here, and you would have to say like an adjective to that noun or um, another noun as you went around this thing like that. And you're, basically, it was like one-word answers all the way around. Now, the object was, as we do this, he would give us, it would give us ideas on what to write on. For instance, let me give you an example if I've confused you. On, on a day, he might say something like, Lincoln, automobile, you know, the Lincoln car. Next person might say, President, Gettysburg, assassinated, Booth. You know, things like that. That's how they would play, we'd play this game. And as we would go all the way around, you get down to the end, um, and when it came back to him, he would start with another noun. Now, when you got an idea, when you thought about, oh, I think I'll write on assassination, okay, then you would just get up and leave the circle and go over to the desk and sit down right. And that's how he did this. It was very effective. We had all sorts of really cool things like that. And Mort's way of, of teaching us like that was, I thought was really inspiring. Being a teacher myself, I thought it was like genius, the way he, he helped us to get topics. Well, what's this got to do with the price of tea in China? Um, nothing. No, really, there is something to a point to this. Those of you who know me, I never do anything without having a point behind it. On this one day, I believe it was my junior year, it was towards the end of the semester. We were really getting strapped and having a hard time coming up with topics. So we went to the circle thing. Mort was sitting here. I remember sitting right to Mort's right. I was right next to him. So he's like here as the circle goes around. And we're playing the game. He's going around. I don't know what he said. Snow. I don't know what different words that he was using. But that's, that's the way it was going. Well, on this day, though, as we went around the circle a couple times, I, I distinctly remember this. He said, God. Now, we went around the room in the circle, and there were some really bizarre comments. I remember a person saying, almost immediately, myth. Another one said, evil. Another one said, nature. Remember, she still had a smile on her face. She had a hippie shirt on and beads. Nature. And they kept going around. I remember there was about halfway across the circle, there was a guy who was sitting there, and he said, love. And people broke the unforgivable rule in this game. You can't ridicule anybody. And when he said love, some of them, oh, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Oh, love. Oh, come on. Stay on top. And more, no, 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 no. You can't do that. He's entitled to say what he wants to say. Let's move on. 
Now, being a, a guy who was raised in a, a Bible-believing home, that going to church and going to Sunday school was about as natural as taking a breath of air, I realized as I was listening to this group, a lot of the things that were going on, and I should tell you too, the demographics of this group, there was one of my best friends in there was an Orthodox Jew. He was sitting in there. There was at least one atheist I know in there. There was a Buddhist in there. There was a Hindu in this group, in this class also. I mean, we had Roman Catholic, we had Methodist, we had Pentecostal. I mean, we had about everything you can think of. It was almost like the melting pot of the United States in that one group. It really was. And as they were going around the room, the one that said love was the only one that gave a real attribute to God. And as I'm like, what is the matter with people? Why can't they give a good... What's this myth business? What's this, you know, uh, nature business, you know? I, it seems like I'm almost positive. Somebody said a rock, which is sort of cool. I mean, you could think about, you know, maybe it was the Pentecostal, you know, God's a rock. I don't know. But we went around the room, and it came back to me. I was like, you know, wow, what... What's going on? So I said, holy. And everybody, okay. Then Mort went to the next word. But it, I'll never forget that. It was so odd listening to all the different people give a description of God is. That was when I was in high school, back in the 1970s. Now, I'm going to fast forward a couple of decades here. Now it's me teaching a class. Kimmy, what are you laughing at? Kimmy, what are you laughing at? <laughs> I'm going to zap you with the laser, Kimmy. <laughs> yes, um, that is my classroom many years ago. Um, had a beard then, got a beard now. Looks a little different, though. Um, actually, there's something on top of my head called hair. Uh, <laughs> you're not supposed to laugh at that one, though. I don't know what class this is, but the, this was just one of the group pictures that some, one of my students uh, took one time, and I wanted to show you just this. Because now, let's go back into the 1990s. In the 1990s, we weren't playing this game, but on Fridays, at the end of my, my week, during, as I'm teaching school, I usually did this when I taught, on Fridays, I always left half the period, the last half of the period, that the students could discuss ever, anything they wanted. We would close the books, we would just put that stuff aside, unless you wanted to work on something, you could, but it, it was a time where I just tried to talk with the students. Most of the time, I just let them talk and let them ask things. They would sometimes ask me. They would get me involved in conversation. But a lot of times, I just sort of sat there. It just so happened that during this talk, um, this was, I remember this was a human anatomy physiology class. And now in this class, I should tell you too, the demographics of this class, we had a Jehovah's Witness in there. We had a Mormon in there also. We also had a Pentecostal. We had a Roman Catholic. We had a Baptist. Uh, we had an Evangelical Free, and we had an Atheist all in this classroom. I didn't bring up the thing. I didn't play the Mort game. We're just talking. But one of the kids said, why don't we talk about God? Who God is? So I was like, wow, this ought to be an interesting conversation. So I just, sat a, just sort of sat there and let them go. And they were, you know, I remember one person, she was going through some pretty hard times in her life. And so she says, God is so evil. God is just an evil person. He condemns people. He puts people to death. He burns people in hell. God is just a very evil person. Another person says, well, there is no God. You know, that's a man-made thing. There is no God. Well, then another one said, well, <laughs> then where did everything come from if there's no God? You know, so we got into all this conversation. Um, but again, here's all these people talking, and nobody is really giving the real attributes of God. 
And even though some of these people, born-again Christians in that classroom, were still not mentioning biblical truths about God. And as we were sitting there, finally, someone said to me, they said, well, Michael, what's your opinion? Now, I mean, I've been waiting for this. This was like waving bloody meat in front of a lion. I'm just like, come on, somebody hear me. So then I started talking to him. I had a Bible on my desk, and I started going over some things with him and stuff too. But God is. It's an interesting thing because we can run into a problem with this. You see, as I look back on these instances that I've just mentioned, um, really not a whole lot has changed from the 1970s and 1990s to even today. Um, a lot of people don't really give a good answer for who God is. If you ask the question, who is God? God is. People will generally give a very subjective answer to it. Um, people will say, if you say, who is God? Well, he's a myth. It's nature. It's evil. You know, there's all sorts of things. In most cases, what I have experienced in my life, when people, and even born-again Christians, being asked this question, they give very subjective answers instead of definitive answers. Now, our theme this summer, of course, is God is. And God is, with our T-shirt emblem, here's the thing, Charlotte gave me this, I asked for this for a PowerPoint, and here it is, the same thing we saw in our T-shirts. Um, by the way, you want a really cool Bible study this, this summer to do on your own? Look up each one of these and see who God is. That'd be a great Bible study right there. Shoot, half the work's done for you. You already got the references. Sit and contemplate. Take notes on what that stuff is and, and things. Now, this theme, God is, I will tell you, I, this is a great theme. This is an awesome theme. It's one of the better ones, I think, that we've done. But I'll tell you, it comes with a warning. A very serious warning. The secular world, with its secular view of who God is, is extremely prejudiced and is extremely subjective. Yet the answer is right here in front of us. Many of the answers, not all of them are here. This is only a small selection of what you can find in Scripture on who God tells us He is. But God is very, very descriptive. No verses in the Bible, the entire Bible, cannot contain everything about God. I mean, theologians will tell you that. But who God is, a lot of those verses will give you definitive answers. You see, since the beginning of time, man has been trying to find an answer to this question. God is. That's why I say this is a great, great topic, a great theme. Because this has been a question that has been being asked since the days of Abel. This question has come up. Who is God? Who is God? And because of this, we have so many religions. Why do we have all these different religions and ideas and stuff? Because people answer the question on their own personal prejudice, bias, and give subjective answers to it. Instead of going to what God said. God specifically tells us who he is. And like I say, the verses I was showing you before, great, great ideas uh, and topics to look at, verses to, to, to study as we go into this. But uh, by subjectively answering the question, though, man is allowed to make up his own answers. 
That's the thing. Man is allowed, if we just let man, like it was in those classrooms, let man come up with their own thing, they're going to come up with whatever they want with God. And that's why we have all these different gods and myths and stuff like this to this day. We have misaligned God. We have come up with all sorts of weird things about God. Mankind has done a great job of coming up with about every cotton-picking God type there is. You really want to study a nation like that? How about ancient Egypt? They worshipped almost everything. I mean, they worshipped lice. They worship frogs. They worship cats. Strange people. I hate cats. I would not make a good Egyptian. Now, our theme, being God is, because that's our theme, this summer, you are all going to have ample opportunity to engage campers with this, this theme. It's a great one. See some campers sitting around? How about going over it? What do you think about our theme? What is your theme? God is. Oh, oh, that's why I see that all over the place. Yeah, what do you think about that? I mean, this is a great conversation starter. It's a great one. And we should be really eager to get involved in conversations with, these, uh, with our campers that come here and stuff like this. But I must caution all of you. I even did this with our full-time staff recently. Craig Rass had me actually come to a staff meeting prepared to caution everybody on full-time staff about this because it's so easy to fall into subjective answers, making God what we think God should fit into. No, we have to beware of this temptation to do this. It is so easy for us to start picking out things of what we want to say God is and who God is like. We can't do that. We must never do that. We must not do that with these campers. Why? Because God has already given us the answers. Don't do this. Why? We have the answers. Campers coming here, some campers do not go to church. Some campers don't have any relationship with God. They love coming to Ford. It's a safe place. It's a wonderful place. They like to come here. Maybe you know people like that. Many of them do not have relationships with God. You guys are put on the front lines to do this. This is a battlefield. Yeah, Fort Wilderness is a nice place. Oh, yes, we have horses. We have the lake. We have um, hiking trails. We have nature center. We have craft shop. We got the canteen. We got the coffee shop. Do you guys realize you're standing on a battlefield? Have you ever been to a battlefield like Gettysburg, Chickamauga, Lexington? I go on those battlefields and there's a certain just sense about it, knowing the bloodshed that, that took place here and, and what took place, like at Gettysburg or, or Murfreesboro or something like that, and standing where all these people fought. It's like a sacred ground. Guys, fort's the same way. You are here, you are soldiers in a spiritual warfare. Whether you realize it or not, you are. And I'm telling you, God has given us the answer of who he is. The last thing Satan wants is for us to be able to talk to campers and tell them who God is from God's perspective, from his directive. He would much rather we start going off on subjective answers. Who do we think God is and stuff like that without using the word of God to do it? But God has already answered the question for us. That's what's really nice about this. We, uh, we have army. 
uh, armored and weapons and stuff like this that we can use in this spiritual warfare. I was talking to a camper today, this morning, on the pontoon boat. And he alluded to that he was saying, you know, I've really been praying for you guys for this summer. I said, well, thank you. We, we really covet that. And he says, I know the spiritual warfare you guys go through here. And I said, yes, there is a lot of spiritual warfare. And the way Satan attacks us isn't always like, you know, people having a problem getting along with somebody else. Sometimes Satan gets us by just being tired. Or we get our days and our nights mixed up and we get a little goofed up like that and then we try to work and serve these campers and stuff and we're not quite up to par. That's falling into Satan's realm too. We have to be careful. Satan is really smart. Don't underestimate him. He is very knowledgeable on how to attack us. But God has answered the question. So don't go off on your own subjective thing. Look what God is. He is a knowable God. He has told us. He wants us to know him. This is a great theme because God wants us to know and be able to answer, God is. As a matter of fact, that's one of the purposes that you exist. Did you know that? Look at this verse. John 17, verse 3. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. What a marvelous verse. But you know what that's saying? You ever wonder what, uh, what eternal life is? Wow, is eternal life getting to walk on streets of gold the rest of my life? Only eating angel food cake, never devil's wood? Is that what, you know, getting to never have to cry? Never having to be sad? Is that what heaven is? Is that what eternity is? No, eternal life is this, getting to know God. I do believe, even though God gave us his 66 love letters telling us about who he is, I do believe it's going to take us probably like an eternity to really get to know him. Oh, sure, we sing songs that God is my buddy, buddy, and stuff like this, but really, we, we have so much to learn about him. And it's really simple for us in some aspects, though, in this life here that we're in, because God has told us who he is. You don't have to go subjective. You don't have to start making up things. Well, you know, I sort of think God is like this to me. You don't have to go there. Matter of fact, I warn you, don't go there. That's just falling into Satan's traps. No, God has told us who he is. And there's a lot of ways you can study God. I just told you, you can use the theme shirts that we have, take it off, start looking at all the different verses. Look at them up. That's one thing. Or how about this one? You'd ever uh, look at the plagues of Egypt and see how God is reacting? Do you know what's going on at the plagues of Egypt in the book of Exodus? It's just not something that God is like, oh boy, those dirty Egyptians, I'm going to get them. They're worshiping a frog. Boy, I'll treat them with, you know. No, it wasn't that. Do you realize that every one of the plagues against the Egyptians were against one of their gods? True. This little chart here is showing you some of them with the different, you know, here's the plagues, turn the um, water to blood, frogs, lice, flies, disease on cattle, boils, hails, etc. Down to the firstborn, the Passover, which is actually against Pharaoh himself because Pharaoh had the power of life and death. And he was worshipped as a god. So each one of these was an attack on God. And what's he doing? He's telling not just the Israelites who he is, he's telling the Egyptians who he is. And where they're saying, well, I think God's a fraud. No, he's not. And to prove it, he strikes frogs as a plague. 
well, I think God is hail, you know, nature. No, that was Newt, Isis, Shu. These were the different gods of that, and he struck that down. No, that's not me. But every one of these plagues, boy, he singled out a deity of the Egyptians, and he nailed them, showing everybody who is God. He answers that question. It's a great little study if you want to do that. By the way, when he did this, did you ever notice when you read through this in Exodus? I, I challenge you. It's another great Bible study to do. Study the plagues and see how God does this. Wow, cool. But what does God do after these plagues? You ever notice what he says? How did he announce the plagues coming? This is what he says. I'm just one example of many. I'm using Exodus 7.5. Look what he says. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Oh, when I stretch my hand out against Egypt and bring my people out of Israel from among them, you will know me. That's what he's saying. Every one of these plagues, he strikes down an Egyptian deity and he says, you will know me. That's pretty powerful. You see, God wants people to know him. That's one of the beautiful things about this God. And the Egyptians, they saw these miracles. And you think, you know, well, we often have this mindset, well, the Egyptians were just sort of wiped out and stuff. But no, 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 no. Not all of them were. Because there were some Egyptians that were watching all this and experiencing all this, and they're saying, you know, some, I think I'm done worshiping these dumb, stupid frogs and lice and hailstones and stuff. I think that's the real God, and I think he wants me to know him. I'm going to follow him. And they did. As a matter of fact, it says in Exodus chapter 12, verse 38, it says, a mixed multitude. This is when the Passover has now taken place, and they're leaving, and they're leaving Egypt, the Israelites. It says, a mixed multitude also went up with them. Not just Israelites. There were Egyptians that turned to God because they realized their gods were, and they started following the true God because God wanted them to know him, and there were these people who, huh, I want to know that God. Pretty cool, huh? How we see these kind of things happening. God wants us to know him. And he's made it very clear on who he is. We don't need to be subjective. God tells us in his word who he is. He's, he's you know, unmistakably clear in his 66 love letters that he gave us. The Bible. How often do you pull out love letters and read them? Like anybody's going to answer that question right now if I ask it that way, right? Okay, let's, just, let's see who's really brave. Who in coming up here, in packing your stuff, brought some love letters from your boyfriend or girlfriend? Boy, you people are so unromantic. <laughs> Gee, Mani. Wow. There's one. I see one hand in the back. One of the adults. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy, you guys have got to learn, a lot to learn about romance, let me tell you. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but a lot of, a lot of marriages um, start here at Fort. This is like the love boat of the Christian world here. Um, hey, I'm not kidding. My daughter, Heather, Tom Anderson, they met here. Yeah. There's a lot of people. They used to have a book in the dining hall with people who got married, met their spouse here, got married because they met their spouse at this place. This is the love boat of the Christian world. So if you're not dating anybody, just wait. 
But if you get a love letter, maybe some of you are just so parched, you've never had a love letter. I, since my wife's not here, I can say this. Um, my wife has written me love letters. I've written her love letters. I still have them. Matter of fact, there is one that she wrote me. It's still on the nightstand next to my bed. <laughs> Did I get some points for that? <laughs> I carry one in, in my Bible. Um, I take it. She, she's one of these that she will actually do this. When I go and I speak, I travel speaking at times, and she will stick love notes in my suitcase. You know, she'll stay here, but I go off, and then when I start to unpack, I get to the, a person's house or a hotel or wherever I'm staying, and I start unpacking, and here's some, some love notes from my wife. And I do the same thing for her, and um, we would write little notes on the, the mirror and stuff like that, so when it fogs up, you could see each other. I'm a romantic. I can't, I'm French. What can I say? You know? <laughs> but what do you do with love letters? You read them over and over and over. Guys, God sent you 66 love letters. The cool thing about love letters is pulling them out and reading them again. That's what's really neat about it. God wants you to read these. He wants you to know him. He's telling you, let me tell you about who I am. Let me give you this special note. Not reading a love note, isn't that an insult? Taking a love note and sort of like, oh, well, I got an envelope here from her. Well, that's nice. No, we wouldn't do that. Maybe you've done that, I don't know. Maybe that's why you're chuckling, I don't know. I wasn't supposed to do that, Michael. I, I wasn't supposed to throw, no! You savor those. You save them. You put them in a special place, whatever, like that. So that's what you can do. Now, let me tell you another way God wants us to know him. The names of God. You want a, cruel, a really cool Bible study to do? Study the names of God. There are some great names here that describe him. You know, to the Jewish culture, naming a child was very important because it was indicative of what that person's character is supposed to be like and everything. And sometimes they changed names to sort of fit what the person was like. Well, God was like that too. And we see a lot of these things. And some, some awesome names here. There's only, this isn't all of them on this illustration I'm using. God has some absolutely phenomenal names that we don't many times even think about. If you look up there, you'll see, I think somewhere around the middle and the top is Adonai. Adonai means Lord. He is Lord. El, uh, over here on the side, like if you just see El, El, that's the name Strong One. Um, Elohim is up there also somewhere. Elohim, and it says uh, Elohim is the powerful one. El Shaddai, you know that one's over here on the side. It's like God Almighty, Almighty God. Yehovah, what we often pronounce as Yahweh, that is not even close to the pronunciation, but Yehovah, um, where we get the word Jehovah, the name Jehovah from that, and that means I am. Um, Yehovah, uh, Yehovah Rapha is another one, God who heals. I mean, oh, there's so many cool names of God. Study those. You know something? You get to know God. You want to answer the question of who God is? Study his names. You can answer it from that. Phenomenal Bible study to try sometime, sometime folks. Just, you know, and don't, don't neglect your Bible time here. Get into those, pull those love letters up every day. When you're in love, that's what you do. You start looking at the love letters over and over and over. We can also answer the statement of God is by searching his word for his attributes, the character of who God is. 
Oh, that's a really good study too. Awesome study. Uh, matter of fact, there's just a little poster here with a bunch of different attributes of God. We can see that you know um, He's self-existent. He's self-sufficient. Um, he is omnipresent. Um, he's uh, omnipotent. He's good. He's merciful. Loving kindness. There's so many great attributes to God that you can sit and study from Scripture. As a matter of fact, maybe some of you will accept a challenge that I will give you. You know that um, every week we have, during the gathering uh, place, I don't know what day of the week it is, Tuesday or Wednesday or something like that, we have a Christian bookstore that comes and sets up in here. Now, if they don't have books, you can ask these guys and they can order books for you also. Or you can always go to like CBD or something like that and have it delivered here to Fort and you can get books that way. You can download them to your phones and iPads, whatever you got. There's all different ways of getting some books. How about this for a challenge? I challenge you all. I double dog dare you to try this. You ready for a challenge? Try this one. Here's your challenge. Study the attributes of God. You want to answer who God is? You want to know who God is? You want to be able to tell people who God is? Study his attributes. Take a look at the attributes of God. He's perfect. He's eternal. He's immutable. He cannot change. The character of God never changes. It's the same before he created the world to what it is today and what it will be in the future. God never changes. That's one of his attributes. He's the creator. He's the self-sufficient one. He's truth. He's all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is everywhere. He is all-knowledgeable. He is holy. Get hold of a book of the attributes of God. Let me just give you a couple suggestions. Uh, Systematic Theology, great book by Louis Burkhoff. Phenomenal book. It's a classic. Systematic Theology. It's the study of God's attributes. Phenomenal book. Or here's one of my favorites. If you don't want to get into something really heavy, Arthur W. Pink, one of my favorite theologians. Pink wrote one called The Attributes of God. It's not that big. It won't take you that long to read. It would be an easy summer read for anybody in here. And you can get it usually, you can even download that one online for free. Um, if you go to CBD, it might cost you 7 bucks or something like that if you want a hardback copy of it. Or, or how about this one? This is one I read this winter. When we picked the topic, I bought this book. So uh, Stephen Sharnock's The Existence and the Attributes of God. Whoa. Now, for those of you who do not know who Stephen Sharnock is, he was a Puritan theologian. These guys are heavy thinkers. Whoa, heavy thinkers. Those of you who know Peter Rockhold, this is like one of his heroes. These kind of people. Whoa, heavy thinker. But I tell you, that book was phenomenal. Sometimes I had to read the same page four times to understand what it was talking about. Um, but phenomenal book. Or A.W. Tozer has one. Great Christian author, The Attributes of God. Or uh, R.C. Sproul has an excellent one. In the Presence of God, this is a devotional book. This is a devotion Devotional readings on the attributes of God. Great study. Or how about the last one there, Wayne Goodrum? That's another very popular one today. Systematic Theology has whole chapters on the attributes of God. I challenge you to get hold of something like that. This summer, try it. Like I say, Pink's is probably the easiest of all of those, or R.C. Sproul's little devotional book. Those would be the easiest ones to get uh, and to study and stuff to get you things. If you want something really deep, if you're a deep thinker, then go to Sharnock. I'm telling you, wow, that's, that's a doozy. Uh, great book, though. But take one of these things, get hold of one, and study that. 
Like I say, some of these you can just download. Pink, I know you can download for free if you have like iBooks or something. It's on there. And you can download the thing for free. So I challenge you. Get into these books or something else. Study the names of God tell, who tell us who God is. Study his attributes. Study the miracles of what God did. That tells us who he is. God wants us to know him. So to answer the statement, our theme that we have this summer, we have to be cautious. But to answer the theme statement on God is, we must use a sound answer, not subjective. Leave your personal bias out. Go with what God says he is. The definitive answers that we get from God. That's my challenge for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time we've had. Lord, it is a great theme. This theme's about you. It's an awesome theme. And Lord, I pray that all of us, myself included, not fall into Satan's little temptation that when we get into a conversation of who God is, to get into our own personal bias, but instead, Lord, that we go straight to what you say you are, who you say you are, Watch your 66 love letters tell us about you. Help us, Lord, to find time in our busy summer schedule every day to read these 66 love letters, to get into a study, if we haven't got one going now, to start one, maybe even tonight, on who you are. You make it no secret on who you are. You shouted your existence and showed your existence to the Egyptians and to other nations throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. Jesus, you, yourself, you came here showing us who God is. That when Philip at the Last Supper said, Jesus, just show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And then Jesus, you turn and you say to Philip, Philip, I've been with you all this time and you still don't know me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Lord, help us to know you because that is your desire. I thank you for each one of the staff that's here. ask that you give them a special blessing. May we all have a good night's sleep tonight. And Lord, please bless our treats that we're about ready to eat. In Jesus' name, amen.